0: Welcome back to the Brew Theology Podcast. Tonight, Janelle and I are with our friend, the Reverend Diana Thompson, and Ray Johnson as well. Diana was at the pub here in Denver a couple of weeks ago talking about visions of self in Jodo Shinshu. And after three years, Diana, I'm finally able to say it proud, loud, and you know, I'm not even afraid to say it anymore. Okay? I can say it three times fast Jodo Shinshu. Jodo Shinshu. One more time. <laughs> Jodo Shinshu. <laughs> and if you uh, haven't heard Diana before, go back to episode 56, first time she was with us, and 57 on the Compassionate Buddha. She's been several other times. We've talked about hell. We've talked about lots of different topics together. And then Caitlin Mashremace, uh, one of her colleagues at the Tristat Buddhist Temple, was on not that long ago, a couple months ago, talking about violence and Buddhisms, plural. So check that one out. Yeah, I um, always like it when we talk about Buddhism. Because, like all these other topics outside of my Abrahamic traditions, I feel clueless. And so, Diana, you're going to have to dumb it down to a lot of us post-evangelical people defining terms early on. Uh, And before we get into all that, any announcements, Janelle?
1: Nothing I can think of.
0: No announcements. Okay. So... Uh, Ray, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast, so um, we'll do a very, very quick snippet of our background before we get to Diana, and then you don't have to go through the whole thing, Diana, but you can go through your, your basic pub around the table. This is w- where I was and now who I am today, which for Diana is easier than the rest of us. So as you know, I grew up Southern Baptist evangelical. Now I enjoy interfaith dialogue and community. I still consider myself a Christian, but I'm probably a heretical one. I don't think you're
1: heretical. That's Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm Janelle, born and raised in the Church of the Nazarene. I left that tradition seven years ago, and I'm currently sitting with the a little bit new label of agnostic Christian. I still believe in Jesus, but I don't really know anything about the details anymore, so there you go.
2: Uh, Hello, Uh, this is Ray, and um, I grew up uh, as a, a young child in a uh, in my middle childhood, as a Southern Baptist Christian, the only one actually, the only one that went to church and um, I guess followed any religion at all in my household growing up. And then, uh, for a period of time, I became sort of a non specific uh, spiritual person. In my 20s and, and 30s, I went through a period of atheism. Um, I wasn't a card carrying atheist, but uh, I was an atheist. And then um, most recently, sort of getting back into um, exploring spirituality again, and uh, more specifically, um, sort of uh, Far Eastern uh, philosophies and belief systems like Buddhism and Hinduism.
3: Okay, and this is Diana Thompson. And yeah, like Ryan said, it's pretty easy. I was... Grew up Jodo Shinshu Buddhist, and now I'm a minister with the Jodo Shinshu tradition. So,
0: Yeah, we realize we have a lot of communities uh, that we have partnered with throughout the years, and here locally, and even even nationally. And getting down to the root of these communities, these are people, these are faces, and I think that's I think that's what I love about the work that we do is that we actually get to sit across the table from people who, regardless of their you know, their background, their religious heritage and their tradition. Um, there's something sacred and beautiful about that. And so actually we're talking about the self tonight, interestingly enough, but just remember that uh, wherever you are in your local communities, it, you know, people across the table from you, they truly do matter. And even if you, even if you only are with them, you know, let's say once a year around the pub, if you're in one of these communities or they're at your, your cubicle next to you, you know, treat them with, uh, with that grace and kindness that you would want to be treated with yourself. So uh, we do have conversational guidelines that keep us on track, and I like to remind people of that um, because I think that without them, uh, a lot of times conversations will fail. And so the only difference tonight is that Diane is going to have more of a soapbox than the rest of us, and we'll maybe just see if we can understand that soapbox. <laughs> that's, that's the really, <laughs> the only difference here when we have a speaker who comes in. So no soapboxes are allowed typically around the, the conversational table. So really nobody gets the last word, but we always say, please be passionate. Number two is respect all others and their viewpoints. Three extend courtesy by listening. Well, and then four everything is up for discussion. A lot of rabbit trails and rabbit holes. And uh, well, occasionally I won't shoot the rabbit, but I like to bring the rabbit back to base and just don't be a jerk. Um, so, Visions of Self in Jodo Shinshu Buddhism. If you like this episode this evening or this day or wherever you are on your journey, share it and do. you can even press pause right now if you're listening and share it right now because you have that option through Podbean and iTunes and all the other avenues. So yeah, do the world a favor. Do Diane a favor because <laughs> this is good stuff and we, we like bringing the people who have a good word. So self, we'll start with the definitions here if you don't mind and then we'll get more into really your tradition. Um, So you, you, these are your words here that you got, I think from the dictionary Webster's. Yes. So the first definition is the self is the essential person distinct from all other persons in identity, a particular side of a person's character. So that's one definition. The other one is a person's essential being that distinguishes them from others, especially considered as the object of introspection or reflexive action. Now, these are pretty normal American Western definitions. And that's how a lot of us have come to know self. And, and and even, I mean, you don't, you don't have to even know these words, but just sort of like, Oh yeah, that, you know, that makes sense. Sure. Somebody put the words that I already knew about myself to myself. <laughs> um, and you're taking a different route here. So kind of help us navigate where this is going and your thought process behind this. And some of this is just so elementary to you, but for the rest of us, this is again, what we were ingrained and raised in, and then we'll hash it out from there.
3: Okay. So I guess what would differ with these two definitions, um, I mentioned this when I did the talk at the brewery there, but we don't outright deny the existence of a self, but we refer to it more as, I guess, what would be like a delusional self. It's something that we create um, through experience or through our own minds or whatever. And so the self actually is something that's not only kind of an illusion, but an impermanent thing as well. So to say that we have one essential character that defines us completely throughout our lives is something that we we just don't see as a thing so um, that's kind of basically where we begin in buddhism So.
0: so it's not one thing it's it's many things yes okay so um You have a lot of terms here that we're not used to because it's a different language. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can we uh, let's go through these terms again to give more of an overview and then go into some of your terms. But, you know, you start off here with the uh, anatman, So that's different from how uh, Hindus would speak of of the self and the soul. Right. Right, But it's a similar wording or is it the same word?
3: Well, uh, so the word that, and this is one of the big variations uh, from uh, Hinduism to Buddhism. So Hinduism talks about the Atman, which is kind of an essential self, something that does transmigrate through lifetime, something that is the self that ultimately connects with uh, the Brahman or like the ultimate. And so Anatman is just the opposite of that. So it would be no self or non-self. And again, that just kind of refers to the idea that we are not one specific thing, that we are the compilation of many, many things experiences causes and conditions and so we don't have any sort of permanent thing that defines us specifically and so that would be the difference there is no essential essence again essential essence that was awesome (laughs) (laughs) department of redundancy department (laughs) (laughs) that's where that came from (laughs) the meta essence
2: (laughs) exactly (laughs)
0: Uh, you move into sunyata is that mm-hmm. right and
3: Shunyata. That, yeah su-
0: Shunyata okay and this is <laughs> emptiness mm mm-hmm. so for a lot of people they hear that emptiness and they think oh I want to be I want to be full right I want to like I I'm, I'm American. I got pride. I got ego. I, got, I, need, I need to make my mark in this world. What are you talking about, emptiness? What are you talking about?
2: Ryan, you do that very well.
3: I know. He is from Texas, guys. So. <laughs> um, yeah, emptiness is just, uh, again, similar to Anatman in that it just means that things are empty of any kind of inherent existence. So... Um, a lot of the heavier philosophical texts that were written around the idea of emptiness were things that were kind of encouraging you to try to find the thingness of anything. So that could be the self or it could be like the glass that's here in front of me that we can look at and say, this is a glass full of beer, um, but once you start looking at it, what is the essential thing that makes it a glass? And when you start breaking down all of its little parts, it's made of this and this and this, but also required the work of certain people to be able to create this shape and like exactly what it is. It has no essential nature. It's just so it has no inherent existence because it required so many things for it to actually come into being so again not that things don't exist just that they are empty of inherent existence they didn't come from nothing i guess
0: so there had to be a thought behind making the glass but then something even before the thought so there's a continual progression which then leads to the word is it Poo, you have to say it for me. Pudgala. Pudgala.
3: Pudgala. Pudgala. Which now it's Pudgala. Pudgala. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yes. defined as
0: person, but more than person. What is, what, what is this, Pudgala?
3: Um, well, yes. Yeah, so we'll go with just the first line there. It's a provisional designation for the self. So when the Buddha would use this word in sermons, he used it because that was something that we understood. So typically when the Buddha would give sermons, it was sort of tailoring it to the audience, I guess. So if you said this, you know, pile of Body that has no essence, and you know, these heaps of different causes and conditions like, A, that takes a really long time, and B, nobody's gonna get it. So, but when you say a person or these people, we at least have a vague idea of what you're talking about. So, even like with the glass thing, looking right now, there are three different glasses on this table. All different shapes, all different sizes, and yet we can look at these and be like, there are three glasses on the table. So the Pudgala is just a provisional designation, just a way to, okay, we all know what a person is, so I'm going to use that word. Mm -hmm. But knowing full well that this is not the be-all, end-all definition of what this is.
0: All right. At any point now, if there's any follow up questions or clarifications that need to be made, if y'all have any within each term, yeah, jump on
3: it. in, guys.
0: Okay. Hold on, Whoops. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting the motion of yeah, stirring.
2: You
0: have a pen. Do I have a pen? <laughs> uh, you want me to stir the pot here? Do you have a pen?
3: Yeah, I might have one in my purse if you need one.
0: Oh man! All right, all right.
3: stirring the pot. I don't know it's, what's it's going actually, on over here,
0: Ray. I This was stirring uh, the pot. Like. Yeah. This is, this is it. It was like a little pot. See, a little, little, d- different kinds of, of pot
3: signs, guys. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> next time we see him. Okay. And then we have a, a pencil. Sorry. <laughs> Skanda, is that right? Skanda? Uh Skanda, yes. Okay, Okay, and the Skandas are aggregates or heaps. Um, So this is kind of the way that we categorize what constitutes a person. So the standard categorization would be that there are five of these different heaps that comprise what a person is. So just go through them real quick. It's form, feeling, perception, conditioning factors, and consciousness. So if we look at these things individually, we can't find a specific self within them. But if we sort of put them all together, we can see the whole person but also sort of the whole person that is the being that's changing and you know sort of moving so also none of these are permanent not permanent heaps that we build but you know kind of just easier for us to categorize them and to see that we are composite of all of these things rather than just one specific. And,
0: and even these heaps they are evolving, they're, they're morphing. Mm-hmm. they're shedding layers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean our form, I mean, here I am in my, my forties now, I'm like forms changing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Consciousness. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping that's changed. <laughs> <laughs> you are not your seven year old self as we were talking about how kid, kids and teenagers and adults change. Yeah. Right. I just
2: realized going back is I'm not very good at charades. Since you thought I was referring to stirring the pot instead of asking for a pin.
0: But tomorrow you will have grown from this. Exactly. your form and your structure will change based on my perception. Yep. I like the heaps. This is good. And it's not, even though these definitions seem static, these are, these aren't. These are dynamic definitions. Right. You know, this is extremely helpful by the way and I know like for you it just seems like oh yeah this is like a normal part of, of your tradition but this would be I, I don't know I think beneficial for a lot of traditions I don't know what y'all think um, so any other follow up questions with these terms before we move on
2: yeah I was I was thinking that going back to um, shunyata uh, or emptiness that perhaps maybe the value um, you know as as somebody who has only you know very narrow reading knowledge, right, of of Buddhism, and and not not really formally practice it. I, I do I do uh, mindfulness meditation and and focus meditation, but um, th- thinking about the concepts of um, like no self and emptiness, um, things being empty of essential, in, independent nature or existence. maybe the value of that is because if if. If the self is is um, let's just call it an emptiness, right? The emptiness of it. There's if there's no essential nature of the self, then there's nothing to attach to, mm-hmm. right? And and of course the the Buddha's primary teaching being that the self is the source of self-created uh, misery and and um, suffering.
3: Yeah, that is why we talk about that a lot because the, yeah, it is ultimately the attachment to specifically the idea of permanence with any of these is something that causes us, if not outright suffering, we hesitate to use that word even though it's an accurate translation because it sounds worse than it is, but you know, just basic discomfort. I mean, going back to what Ryan said about the body, yeah. I'm almost 42 and yeah I've noticed there's some stuff that changes that we don't want to and you know how much do just in general people spend to keep this form that one of the skandas from changing and when it does it stresses us out and obviously that's based on like all of the other things the causes and conditions that you know this because i will say that form is probably one of the most difficult for a lot of people because obviously our bodies have a lot to do with our perception and how we move through life you know so whether we want them to or not like the form itself is something that can really be difficult to deal with because sometimes we can't change what our form is. And if we don't want it to change or somebody tells us that it should either stay the same or be completely different, it's yeah, it's makes life a lot more difficult for people. So the idea is to just kind of to the best of your ability, kind of accept that, Yes, this form is changing. <laughs> yeah. My hips and ass are starting to look like my old Midwestern aunties a little bit, but again, I'm almost forty and that's just the way it's gonna have to be. Like sometimes that is what it is, and to the best of my ability I will be okay with that. So
2: Well yeah, you know yeah. the form being being the primary source of identification, right? Of self. Mm-hmm. And um what how we interact with the world, you know what the world sees, yeah, right? so it's very
0: difficult to to not get attached to it, whether for the better or for the worse, right mm-hmm. I appreciate that you said that this journey is still important. It's not that that you and you people of your tradition um discount people's um journey towards figuring out who they are to mm-hmm. something but it's and and you mentioned it here that the problem really is about our greed one and this is fun you're gonna like this so you're gonna remember it later (laughs) two anger and three stupidity so gas gas getting rid of gas Mm -hmm. greed anger and stupidity and these are all about you know greed this that desire for like it's this is mine uh i guess or if it's not mine i need it you know and what is that about like is it really yours what is yours um, anger which we can all we've talked about anger before we started the show here <laughs> well let's see but see that goes back to this
2: concept of whether or not there's a self because if there's no self then there's no yours mm-hmm. right I mean the concept of the self really sets up everything else like me my you yours mm-hmm. you know things like
0: that mm-hmm. They even tell you that in, in counseling, like don't use the, the I and the, and the you it's, it, it is a, it is a we thing. If you're in this sort of with, with couples and with families and, and friends and, and coworkers, it's cause otherwise like it is, it's very tribal. Like it's tribal even within the tribes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stupidity, <laughs> <laughs> our stubborn refusal to accept impermanence and interdependence. And I, I love that, that, um, a reminder again, that we are interdependent, um, in a relation, relationality is we've talked about this how many times on the show and yet we got to be reminded. It's like beating the dead horse, but come on, keep beating it. So,
3: yeah. Well, that's a difficult one too. Cause again, you know, it's like we have the, you know, and obviously the form is the easiest one to go after, but like, it's not staying the way I want it to, but also that, lack of realization or even just outright refusal to accept that like it is because of all these other things probably that I feel the way I do about this body you know so it's yeah it's like oh yeah everything is interconnected too like I didn't just wake up I mean well Ryan you have small children I don't doubt that they just run without clothing around all the time and (laughs) you know I mean When my daughter was three, her favorite thing to do was run around in her underpants and hit me with nunchucks. Like, she was this tiny underpants ninja that used to come out all the time from nowhere. (laughs) And, like, you know, but it was, like, they have no body consciousness until we give them body consciousness, you know? And then it becomes a thing. So, it's, like there are reasons that we also feel this way about ourselves. And some people navigate that better than others, but it's like this doesn't come from nothing. We we feel this way for a reason. And so, yeah, sort of difficulty with acknowledging those things, too, also are part of, like, why we have difficulty or suffering when it comes to ourselves, because... Again, we expect that we're gonna be a certain something, and when we are not, it's like we can't we don't handle it very well. Oh
0: it's it's sad. It's like it's
2: it's it's it's. you wanna tell us about some of your gas, Ryan? (laughs) So my (laughs) gas
3: knows. Let's talk about your gas. I'm just wondering, am I the only person
0: whose family tradition is to have naked run around seven PM every evening? Come on, blinds open, lights on. We do neck and run over here. Oh man! But well, you know, at some point along the journey, somebody does tell us whether it's our parents and it's like the the and it's not even a body shame thing. It's just that like you know, some of it's just safety. Some you know, someone who's like,
3: well, that's hey, why I use consciousness yeah. rather than shaming because mm-hmm. there is a point where you become aware that oh geez, this is a body and this is a body I have and it. Has the ability to evoke reaction in other people, you know. And I, you know, when we're little, we don't have that because why would you? Like, mm-hmm. it's all yeah. just part of the same little thing, rending her. Yeah, and, so. and I think
0: for I me, mean, for our family, I can I can just speak to this and that we've we've tried really really hard. I mean, we I will still and. I have other friends who would probably disagree with me on this and it's fine. Every parent has their own parenting strategy, but I I still get uh, undressed and dressed in front of my kids. If they happen to walk into a room, I don't turn around. I don't say, oh, go away. Um, And, you know, my oldest is reaching the age where some people would say, well, maybe you should. Well, but then again, I mean, to her, it's still still very innocent. Um, But if it becomes, once it becomes an issue for her, then that would probably change. But I've never wanted her to think that like, that our, our bodies are something to be uh, afraid of, or something to be, um, I don't know, um, objectified in some weird way. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: You know, I just, when you're saying that, Ryan, I was just thinking about um, you You would be a good example of this because you said you grew up uh, in in Buddhism, right? Mm-hmm. Or a branch of Buddhism. Uh, okay, I'm ashamed now because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let me do it Chodo. for you. teach <laughs> you. <laughs> right So the thought just occurred to me like it, i mean it's it's completely obvious that we know this we don't, we don't even have to study psychology, right but the, the you know as as toddlers and young children, our sense of self is so undeveloped, right uh, hence, hence like why would we have to worry about being naked right uh, as as little kids? Um, and then as we get older, right, then we start to develop that sense of self becomes stronger and stronger. And of course, all of the other clutter and baggage that comes along with having a sense of self, you know, uh, especially in a modern society. So um, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with your sense of self growing up and whether or not Buddhism had any kind of impact on that?
3: Hmm. Um, you know, that's hard to say. I mean, it's not something that maybe got talked about a whole lot um in terms of sense of self i guess really especially when we were little what was pushed was um we have this reading that we do in all of our temples called the golden chain and it's just something about interdependence so we were taught more kind of Remember that you are part of this larger whole. So it was, you know, like with a lot of kids in all of our religious traditions, trying to teach them how to, like, how do we be people here in this society and how do we relate to and act with other people and things like that. So I don't think, um, you know, because everybody's got their religious traditions, but then all of our religious traditions are based on specific cultural things, too. So I think um, it was maybe not something that we talked about a lot. Like I remember up until we got into high school, maybe when we started having more questions about, you know, things like sex and um you know who we were in that aspect that we started um i guess maybe the adults were just waiting us for us to openly ask questions about that before they addressed them but yeah i would say in terms of that it was just more like okay just remember that you're not the onlyest person in the universe that you know the things you do have effects on other people and so you know, you can only control what you do in terms of your reaction. So I think that was more something that was talked about rather than like actual solid sense of self. But that may also have been just because it's like you know, like what the, what is self? So why would we talk about? It? <laughs> because it's <laughs> not a do. thing. So <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah.
1: So did you not have, in the, like, teenage years, all the angst about body purity and, like, sexual purity and saving yourself? Was that not the focus of relationship? Was it... Was there something else?
3: No. Yeah, and... Yeah, it's interesting, actually, now that you guys mention it. I mean, it was again, unless we just asked and kind of thinking back to high school, and this was, you know, 20 years ago now, but I think maybe even if we as the students asked a question, it was just because, like, I don't know, she keeps standing there and we got to ask something, (laughs) you know, like it was more, like, but there was no overarching narrative about those things. It was like, are you... I think the impression most of us got was, is this a loving, kind, and compassionate relationship? All right, see you later. You know, I mean, it wasn't like we didn't quite get that. Yeah, there was definitely no sense of shame, no sense of, you know, like you shouldn't be dating this person you shouldn't be doing this before marriage you shouldn't and i think if any of those attitudes came through it had more to do with individual families sense of that kind of you know morality if you yeah. want to use that word than it did come from our religious traditions so yeah what's that like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I got a kid out of wedlock, so you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> well, well, so
1: no shame there. So I don't know. Well, I mean, but that's that's that may seem like nothing to you, but right. like for some of us from the traditions we were in, there was no freedom around this and mm. the repercussions of what mm. we were taught. Echoes into our forties and even further, where people completely still cannot deal with their bodies yeah. or sex or their embodiment because mm-hmm. it was so evil and so shameful and so frowned upon. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing. It's like it really is eye-opening to hear that there are other experiences that weren't like that. Yeah, because it was our whole world where yeah. I grew up, and. It was it was miserable. Yeah, I mean it. Yeah, you, you still seem
2: like a pretty cool person, though, Janelle.
3: Oh. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you made it you've, through. Okay. You've adapted pretty well. <laughs> I try. Yeah, but no, I feel the same way. Like it was really eye opening and frankly heartbreaking for me because I did grow up in that tradition. But to hear that more and more, especially as I've gotten older, from people who did like that was their experience growing up. It kind of shocks me, you know, because I, I have no context for that. So I, you know, can empathize, but it really, it's like heartbreaking to me to think that yeah, based on a body that's so impermanent, a form that, you know, like we had nothing to do with this, you know, like everything I am is a matter of genetics going back like billions of years So I had nothing to do with the way that I appeared into this world. And I have, you know, so it's like, yeah, it, yeah, I just, it does. It like breaks my heart to hear that it was something that would be considered to be shameful. And again, and since I have no context generally for this, just even hearing things like, um, to my understanding that this body was, made by god if that's a tradition mm-hmm. that you're in yeah that why why would it be so sh- you know like why is that a shameful thing if it was made mm-hmm. by somebody that created you you know so it like i've had a hard time with those narratives not yeah. from the deep heavy you know level that a lot of people have experienced but just kind of from hmm, that's curious like i don't <laughs> difficult for me to well
0: I would say it gets even worse because not only did God create it but then it's cursed yeah. so because of one human two really so <laughs> but,
3: really, well,
0: but yeah. if you think about how, how the, bad that, sneaky,
3: that snake following bitch right with the yeah. apple <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like if you, if, you, if you really break that down and you think about
0: like wow this guy this guy's kind of an asshole you know like yeah. Yeah. if the God's this powerful and allowed this stuff to happen but mm. let's not go off on that yeah that's a rabbit yeah, yeah, yeah. for another day yeah <laughs> Yeah. We'll talk about theodicy on another podcast. The problem with evil. See, but yeah. is there evil? That's the question. Is there even evil? Is that a thing? Right. Well, now, I want to, yeah, we're going to get to these last two terms. I, I want to go back to one of these heaps. Do you want to go back to the heaps, or should we do these terms since we've I've already touched on evil?
1: Well, I was just thinking, I, yep. like, her definition of evil yeah. is Let's, so different than what, uh, like, the fall
0: yeah. So since we're since I brought up the fall, I'm sorry, but it's good or abetrol because <laughs> because you, uh, you you know
3: that was it, my bad too. I totally that door.
0: tradition. <laughs> you have a term for the foolish being and the evil person. So the bon bamboo. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a foolish being. Right, does that mean that we're just f- we're idiots? So yeah, what does that's that mean? our
3: gassy selves. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay, we can all agree there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no arguments. <laughs> none here anything you want to elaborate on other than that we make uh. stupid decisions
3: no i think that's pretty much it like it's kind of at the core of whether you're a buddhist tradition that just has like the single buddha or a tradition that sees many buddhas that have existed over time like the baseline reason that all of them desired to become these high enlightened beings is because of this bonbu nature, because we do walk around with this just kind of greed, anger and stupidity all the time. And they sort of sorrowed at that plight and wanted to ensure that we maybe could get past that a little bit in each of our lives. So it, um yeah, if we were said to, have an essential nature this would be about the closest that we could get just foolish <laughs> tiny unenlightened bumbling around doing the best we can
0: i'm I'm, I'm wondering and in, in you can say you you pass on this one how closely related would this be to somebody from a let's say a calvinistic or augustinian christian tradition that believes in total depravity that we are inherently we are we are bad we are Evil at our core. Yes, we're, you know, redeemed by God, made in the image of God, but really, ultimately, there is this evil nature. Is that, is that closely related at all? That's
3: no, I would say, um, because, and yeah, I mean, I guess door is open. So it would be what, what does evil mean? So, and again, for Buddhists, that those terms, good and evil, are pretty relative it kind of is based on situation it's based on person it's bit, you know so to say that we have this sort of base evil nature in the sense that we understand it in the English language is again it's like that's probably part of one of the heaps and we are capable of some pretty crummy things if you know the situation were correct but that's not our base nature Mm -hmm. our you know like again if it were said to be an essential nature it would be kind of softened and I'm putting quotation mark fingers up on this to like just foolish just uh, you know we're not enlightened we don't know what is perfect all the time we can't say that we have perfect wisdom or perfect compassion and that that is who we are just this kind of changing thing that walks around making decisions based on our current situation and that's it so yeah so not bad or good just yeah it's what it is <laughs> And
0: that leads us to the last one the is it A- aku akunin mm-hmm. A- hakuna matata
3: <laughs> what is that it's a Hakuna wonderful H- phrase. It's what that that's is. <laughs> <phrase. laughs> yes, yeah, so aku or akunin. So aku and akunin translate to evil or the evil person and um yeah, again that's something that is kind of at the heart of who we are um and it goes more to the idea of who we are based in the moment. But um, it's a Japanese word and is with many Japanese words. It has more subtle undertones to it. So it's not like a black or white judgment that you are evil um, and not capable of good. It's just that, again, kind of ties into the foolish being thing. But um, we use this one more... In a greater religious sense, like when we can realize ourselves as this small foolish being as set against like those who have perfect wisdom and perfect compassion. We do see that we, you know, we have this varied nature that because our brains as human beings do need to put things into categories, so maybe set against great wisdom and compassion, it would be seen as more base and more evil but in you know if you set it against every other person it's like nah, we're all kind of like that you know we the situation arises we could possibly do some pretty rotten stuff and you know but most of the time we don't because that's not the situation so and you know i mean that's not to say that people don't run around doing crummy stuff all the time, but, you know, there's, you know, in a broad sense, it's like, okay, so just evil as maybe set against what would be considered the good of an enlightened being or a higher power or being, you know, however a person wanted to see that. So, so would it
1: be more of a falling short? Mm-hmm. And it's not that you're... um like your your initial reaction is always going to be to the bad thing right because that's kind of how original sin sometimes gets talked about is that Mm -hmm. we're just not we don't contain goodness Mm -hmm. and then we don't that if left to our own devices without grace we will do the evil thing and that doesn't it doesn't sound like yours is that strong.
3: No, no, it's definitely not. And it is hard for us because evil is a very strong word in, yeah, in, spe- English. in English. Yeah. So it has very specific connotations, but it's like, well, it's just kind of, you know, so we don't encourage suppression of any part. Like we just, because we also see that like, if you, squash things that again in all relative things that you would see as evil that has the potential to build that up and then you do super evil or however you want to see it so it's like just kind of acceptance of I did that crappy thing that one time and all right maybe I can make it better maybe I can't but just acknowledge and keep going kind of thing so but it's also without the idea that like we have to say do things like repentance or, you know, like put a hundred percent faith into something or someone in order to take away those right. sins or those evils or anything like that. It's just more kind of understanding this is my everyday walking around self and Hopefully nobody puts me in that situation, yeah. but you know, so yeah. much more chill. Yeah. In a way.
1: <laughs> I think we could all use a little chill about now. Thanks so much for listening to the theology podcast. If you liked this episode, please share it on your social media channels. And if you would rate it on iTunes or Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you'd like to know more about Brutheology, you can find us at brewtheology.org at brewtheology on Facebook and Instagram and at brew underscore theology on Twitter thanks so much and we'll see you next time cheers